Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. My name is Dr. Lulu, aka the Momatrician. I'm a national keynote speaker on child, teen, and young adult depression and suicide. I'm a best selling author, podcaster, blogger, and just your favorite person. How is everyone doing? Listen, today's guest is special. I know everybody's special, all my guests are special, but today's guest is doubly so, triply so, because not only is she a suicide survivor times two, she has struggled with suicidal ideations herself, but also she responded to do this podcast within 24 hours. It doesn't get any better than that. Okay, so her name is Louisa Martin. She is one of ours. She's going to write on a page today. We're going to let her talk from the heart, which is where everyone pretty much talks from. But I'm hoping that someone out there will be touched by this angel who's gonna share her story with us today. And more so, someone can even respond to us and tell us how they were touched. So without further ado, let's get to it, Miss Louisa Martin. Good morning, and thank you for joining us on Suicide Pages. How are you, ma'am? I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for um, having me speak today. I feel really honored, kind of nervous at the same time. But that is a good place to be. On, on, um, honored is great, but nervous is even better because a lot of people are so afraid of public speaking that I, apparently they say they prefer to die than to speak publicly. So your voice is going to be going as far as I have listeners in Bangladesh, listeners in Nigeria, listeners in the Congo, listeners in Australia. So your voice is about to go worldwide this is a great great favor that you're doing to me and to my listeners so again i thank you thank you so much so where do you want to start oh my goodness you looks like you've got a lot to tell or at least you've been through a lot you also on facebook which is how i met you your facebook i guess official page is called the suicide loss survivor page and so you, you've been through a lot in your short life, haven't you? Yes, I have too much in so little time. Yes. So where, where do you want to start, ma'am? Um, so I actually had some questions on my Facebook page of um, 
what they would like me to cover. And one of the th questions was, um, and I, I can't remember it word for word, but one of the questions was relating to the statistics of suicide. Like how many people actually commit suicide as opposed to, let me rephrase it. I don't like to use commit suicide. Commit, yes, yes, I know, I know. So uh, um, a lot of people died by suicide and uh, I just want to share some statistics on that that I found. All right, so I looked up some statistics as a result of someone asking what the statistics are on suicide. And in 2017, there were 47,173 suicides, which has increased by 24% between 1999 and today probably more but yeah um yes, there well, are actually it's, it's important that you mentioned the numbers i generally focus on faces but i do know that facts and figures also count but you're right the, the truth is over 47,000 per year in the u.s I might add, okay, because worldwide is nearly a million. But, but what you mentioned is important because most suicides are actually not reported. So imagine if we actually do report all the suicides, there'll be a whole lot more. In the US alone, which 69% of them are males. And I also have found out that it's the 10th leading cause of death within the world. Um, I had a question asked of why do some suicides slip away to the wayside? I honestly don't know the answer to that, but I'll try to answer as best as I can. Okay. Uh, I have found that a lot of people, like mentioned before, don't actually uh, speak out on feeling suicidal or whatever. So, uh, yeah, a lot of suicides get missed because they don't reach out or whatever. My, my experience, I used to be like that when I wouldn't reach out about my suicidal thoughts and the reason for that being is that i was living in a place with very little understanding of mental health and uh there were there's a lot of judgment and uh stigma attached to mental health and suicide especially oftentimes i would be told that i'm attention seeking or that i'm just being selfish and um 
that kind of shunned me out and made me not want to speak about how I truly feel. So, yeah, the, that's from my experience of why suicide goes in the wayside. Again, I don't know the real reasoning, but that's the answer from my experience. And you are very right. Only because I'm a speaker on youth suicide, and therefore I also tackle adult suicide because most people don't want to talk about it. And I tackle, I tackle child suicide. Ironically, yesterday on your page, I had a back and forth with one of my cousins who said exactly that. She was insinuating that people who die by suicide who have ADHD are actually attention seeking. And I, my son actually had to tell me, mom, get off the phone. You have to go on your Facebook live because I was, I had to respond to her. I did not want it to wait. I did not want it to go unnoticed that she was completely barking up the wrong tree. Finally, I said to her, I said, just check your sources because it's completely false. I don't know personally, maybe there's somebody out there, but I don't know anybody that wants to kill themselves as a sign of attention seeking. What that does is effectively plug the hole to prevent them to completely ever open their mouth and speak about it anymore. So you're right. There's a lot of stigma about suicide, a lot of stigma about suicidal ideation, a lot of stigma about mental illness, which by the way, is not the commonest cause of suicide. The commonest cause of suicide is other factors confounding mental illness. So let me say that again. Mental illness per se is not the commonest reason people suicide. The commonest reason is untreated mental illness, stigma about mental illness, and other factors that now lead you to become depressed or anxious or whatever, hopelessness and all that. But, but saying words like attention seeking is so dangerous, it's, it's almost fatal to think that way. And I had to caution her because she's a doctor. And I said, you cannot speak like this. You as a provider cannot think like this. It's very, very dangerous that you, who people come to you for help, you dare to think that the person is seeking attention. And that's why people don't want to talk about it. And that's exactly why it goes, quote unquote, unnoticed by the wayside, which is very, very sad. Like I said to you this morning, we had a suicide here in San Antonio, Texas this morning. So suicide is so common. That's my third one in San Antonio that I've heard about in the last one month. The third one in San Antonio. Two of them adults, one of them a child. So this is real. So I don't want anybody to call me if they have that idea that is being looking like it's seeking for attention. So thank you so much for sharing your story. You're right. No, no one is seeking for attention if they are suicidal, please. Oh my goodness, that is so wrong. But anyway, go ahead. All right, so an important part of um, knowing if someone is suicidal is actually an acronym I found uh, called Is War Path Warm? Yes, that's what they use, yeah. Um, what that stands for is... Can you, can you spell it out so people can write it down and I can also write it down? Yes. I-S for is P-A-T-H for path. <coughs> Warm is 
is W-A-R-M. And um, people who are suicidal often have suicidal ideation. Um, they will often say things, things like, either direct or indirect, they will say things like, I want to die, I want to kill myself, I'd be better off not alive, mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, I, I have, like I said, I've struggled with suicidal ideation, and that's usually what I tell people, is that I'd rather be dead than whatever the case may be. That is so true. A lot of people, you know, and you mentioned something earlier about, some, about selfishness, which is so, nothing is farther from the truth than that. The truth is most people are not being selfish. When somebody dies by suicide or when somebody suicides, it's not because they are selfish. The truth is they feel like the rest of the world is probably better off without them in it. They feel so bad. And you just said that, or they feel like they're better off dead so they can take their problems with them, you know, so to say. So yes, I, I, suicidal ideation, suicidal verbalization, anything that has to do with suicide, has not, selfishness is not on the list of reasons at all. So thank you for, for highlighting that. Go ahead. <clears throat> right. Um, another thing that I personally struggle with is substance use. Those who are uh, suicidal will often uh, use substances, whether it is drugs or alcohol. Sometimes it may be over-the-counter meds. Um, another part of suicide warning signs is that they don't feel like they have a purpose in life. Um, I can't stress enough how important it is to find something that gives you meaning. Um, like for me, uh, specifically. Specifically, one thing that gives me meaning is my newborn niece, and I I live because I don't want my um, niece or my family in general to know me as a statistic. That is so powerful. Um, that is so powerful what you just said. Find a purpose, find a meaning, but also you don't want your family to look at you as a statistic. That is so powerful. I've never even thought about it that way before, but that is so powerful. So you've done the I, you've done the S, and you've done the P. So the next one is the A now, yes? Yes. Next one is anxiety. Um, those who... Uh, are suicidal often will have anxiety. Um, like, now I will add that not everyone has to have all the symptoms to be considered suicidal. This is just merely a guideline to knowing if someone is suicidal or not. 
That is so true. That is so true. <clears throat> and the T in path is feeling trapped. A lot of people with suicidal ideation end up feeling trapped, like they have nowhere to go. Um, I, I have felt that way many times myself where I felt like what the hell am I gonna do and pardon my language but what what am I gonna do like I don't know where to go from here I don't know what to do I don't have any purpose or meaning in life which going back to um, the P in past I I don't feel like I have a purpose or a meaning in life, so I tend to think, oh, well, I'm just gonna kill myself because I don't have any reason to be here. I definitely feel that. Another symptom or sign of suicidal ideation is feeling of hopelessness. That goes back to, um, have feeling trapped or having no purpose uh, hopelessness a lot of the time ends up like like i said feeling like there's no hope for them like there's no reason for them to go on yes i definitely i usually mention about hopelessness helplessness and despair they just really at the bottom of the ocean or bottom of the well they just feel like they've reached their final maximum maxed out emotionally maxed out in everything and they just at this point hopeless and you're right is well connected to the um the purposelessness also you know those two it's just like you know nobody's gonna miss me when i'm gone anyway i'm not even adding to to life I, you know i have nothing to add and therefore, you know, I might as well just check out. So thank you again for, for mentioning that you have found purpose and for sharing the fact that you are, you know, constantly struggling and it's, it's, a, it's a process. It's not like something that just starts today and just stops to tomorrow. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. Yep. And now coming to the WARM acronym, the first letter is W with if which is withdrawal. Um I'm not actually want to normally withdraw from people. However, I do get feelings of withdrawal where I don't feel connected in some way, shape or form. Um and I do have like thoughts of like not wanting to be around people um but i have learned actually some skills to combat that and i normally i have found that when you want to be alone especially when suicidal if you want to be alone that's normally when you have to be around people and around a community. That is so true. We talked about that last week um, on another podcast. He said that he's, 
he, as soon as he starts feeling like he needs to do that, he finds somebody right away and he goes and stays with them or whatever. Because once you're by yourself, you start having those thoughts and then your brain just starts telling you all kinds of crazy stuff and then you want to do it. So that is so true to recognize, I guess is the best way to put that. Recognize when those thoughts start coming, become aware of them. And then of course, act, you know, do something right away. Yes, that is so true. Yes. Um, okay. The A in warm is aggression. Um, a lot of the time I, I'm not very aggressive person, but especially when substance use is in play, then I get aggressive and I will find anyone I can pick on or uh, fight with or argue with or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I find that I'm very irritable and I, I don't want to say it's pretty much like bullying because it's not, but it's kind of like um, you're, I don't know how to word it. It's kind of like you're bullying them, but you're not because, um, the reason I say that is because you do f bullies often find someone who can, who they can tease or whatever in order to make themselves feel better. And that's a lot of the time what suicidal individuals do. People who are hurting tend to hurt others is what I'm trying to get at. I love that. That's a good way to put it. I mean, that's actually perfect way to put it. The next one is R, which is restlessness. Um, I, I have personally struggled with this one where I will oftentimes be so restless that I can't sit or stand still. I will want to move, move, move all the time. Mm -hmm. And the last one is can mood. You, can you please elaborate on that again? Because yes. for me, I always worry about, I didn't, I didn't have restlessness when I was um, suicidal. I did have a restlessness, not motor restlessness, in other words, not my body, but my mind was restless. So I don't know if that's what yes, you mean. Yes, it was my body and mind. For me, it was my mind. I just couldn't focus on any one thing because I wanted to not focus on the ideations. So I'll try to think about something else, but I'll go back to the addition. So that's what I mean by my own mind was just not, and it just drove me nuts because I couldn't, I could not not focus on it. And I didn't want to focus on it. So is that, is that experience that you had? I think you said it perfectly. I, I took it as a physical symptom uh, when I first looked at it. So that's what I was referring to. Um, 
but I think you touched up on the other aspect of the restlessness is where your mind is so flooded with thoughts that you want to do something to counteract that thought process. That is so true. That is so true. Yeah. Okay. And the last one is mood changes. Um, I've personally struggled with that one. I, I can, I have borderline personality disorder. And one of the things with borderline personality disorder is mood changes like rapid mood changes. One minute I'll be all happy-go-lucky and on top of the world, and next moment I'll be down in the dumps, feeling suicidal and uh, wanting to end my life. That is so powerful, that is so powerful. So ladies and gentlemen that are listening, you have heard Louisa um, pretty much break it down. I know the last events that I had for parents and teens, one of the speakers actually went through that. This exactly is part one with, with the, the attendees, and we all learned a lot. It was really nice that we, um, that we learned that. So I thought that was good. But yeah, so she basically broke it down. Is Pat Warm, I-S-P-A-T-H, W-A-R-M. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us again, of course, to this particular crowd, because my last, um, the, the, I think my very first episode when I talked about what is suicide, I don't even think I mentioned that, but I do remember that at my event, someone did go through this with us. So great. So did you want to share your, maybe a personal story, or do you have any more questions from your your members of your group on your on the Facebook page? Um, as of right now, I don't have um, any questions from my followers, but I did want to um, add like how you can, what you can and can't do to help others, if that's okay. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah, anything you want to say, ma'am. Anything at all. This is, it's your page. You write it how you want to write it. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So uh, to help others, one of the things you should do is let the person talk. A lot of the time, I find that people who are interacting with a suicidal individual want to change the subject and not talk about suicide. Oh, wow. Um, I find that a huge mistake. It makes the person feel like they can't be heard and like their struggle isn't important to them. So let the person talk. Let them talk about their ups and as well as their downs. The second one on the list is reassure them that treatment is available. I can't stress that enough. A lot of the time, even if you are a professional, they need another professional to help them through their pain, through their struggle. And you shouldn't act like they're professional because you're not. Um, 
uh, tell them that treatment is available and refer them to other professionals who can help them through their rough time. And remind them that suicidal feelings are temporary. Um, a lot of the time our mood does change. And, and one thing may end up getting it where you end up, like one thing that I've noticed is that a lot of the time mood does change and it doesn't last forever. Like I used to hate this saying, but I strongly believe this. This too shall pass. I knew you were going to say it that. Yeah. This too shall pass. You're the second it person will. that said that to me in 24 hours. This too shall pass. At that moment, when you're going through it, you can't see it, you can't believe it, you don't know it, but it will pass. That is so powerful. Yes. And then the things you don't want to do, like I said, is minimize the problem by trying to change the subject. Um, you don't want to convince them that what they're doing is bad. They probably already know that. Um, but to say that something is good or bad is very judgmental and will make them close up quicker than anything. At least so what, in my what do you So what do you say in that case? What do you say? Convince, don't convince them that suicide is an easy way out or a, a selfish act or whatever the case may be. Don't use those stigmatizing phrases that um, gets them to feel like they're not being heard and feel like they're being judged. So don't use words like easy way out. Don't use words like selfish. Believe it or not, I know, I know you, you remember this, but not even yesterday, a, a couple of months ago, I was at my son's high school and one of the teachers there, she said that, she said, oh, it's so selfish. I had to stop, I put my bag down and I was like, let me talk to you about the word selfish where suicide is concerned. Just don't think that, don't say that. And so thank you so much. I can't even thank you enough for bringing this to just echoing my thoughts and what I've been saying this whole time. Don't use the word selfish. We don't, they don't need to hear that. They just don't need to hear that. So thank you for that. Right. And then the last one on don't do's is preach to them. I can't stress enough how it annoys me to have people preach at me and tell me that my dad, don't get me wrong, he's an awesome dad and he tries his best, but my dad would often throw the Bible at me and say that God doesn't give you more than you can handle or that suicide is a sin or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm Catholic and, um, and that is, I grew up hearing those words, oh, suicide is a sin, 
you know, God doesn't give you. I heard all those phrases. And today, recently, we just had a suicide by a pastor in America. A pastor, a young pastor, I don't know, you probably heard about it. A young pastor who was actually pro-mental health awareness and mental health treatment and things like that. And he also died by suicide. People forget that Jesus himself, for those who are Christians, Jesus himself, once upon a time, he used to call a timeout. When he got stressed out, he would go into a boat to a quiet place and regroup and rest his brain, you know, and, and reconnect with himself. But people will just, they forget that Jesus was a human being and they only want to see him as God. And that's the mistake that we make because all his human traits are in the same Bible. Do they want to read it? Probably not, but it's in the same Bible that they throw at you and throw at me and throw at all of us. So you're right. Don't, don't preach to them. And then they bring this thing about you're going to go to hell. It's a sin, you know. And then in the old days, as you know, the church, maybe even till this day, never allowed them to bury the bodies of people that suicided in their, in their church burial ground. So that's how the stigma started. You know, that's kind of the root of all the stigma about suicide was from the days of when the church will come out. And probably even today, I'm sure there are some other churches that still do that, you know. So that's all I have on like how to help somebody who's suicidal and what to do and not to do. The warning signs of suicide and the suicide statistics. Um, I've been asked just previously in this show to share my experience as it pertains to suicide. So I'm going to do that. Now, I, I have grown up in an alcoholic and abusive home for the, as long as, as I can remember. Um, I was adopted um, by an American family who took me in and clothed me and fed me and... Um, that was kind of rough too because I had a hard time feeling connected. I had a hard time feeling like I belonged. That's where my suicidal ideation started is when I got adopted. I had a I was adopted at nine years old, so I knew my birth parents. Um I had a hard, very hard time adjusting to the adopted life. And a lot of the time I would think things like what I mentioned in the signs of suicide. I would have thoughts like I'd be better off dead. Uh, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. People wouldn't even notice if I was gone and things like that. Um, I've struggled with suicidal ideation for several years now, uh, probably like, I don't know, 15 years or so. Um, I've attempted suicide several times where I would uh, try burning myself. I would try um, getting pills and overdosing on them. I would try 
cutting myself and trying to hit my vein. I've done pretty much everything and it's really, really rough being in that place. Um, and then on, as I said previously, on October 19th of 2015, I found my neighbor who committed suicide. He jumped out the sixth floor window. I felt really uh, lost then. I, I thought that somehow it was my fault, as if, as if I had done something to cause his pain or cause him to do what he did. And I know uh, you know for sh and I know you know this, but I'm just going to say again that it was never your fault. There's nothing you did. And I know you know this. I'm just going to say it because I feel like I should. It's never your fault. You didn't do anything. It's nothing that you did. And um, I'm so glad, you know, God put you there to, to find him, but you didn't, you didn't do it. It was not anything that you did at all. And I know you know this. Yeah, and actually that goes to another part that I want to share is that when I had found him, it gave me a meaning and a purpose. A lot of the time my dad would tell me that suicide was selfish or a lot of the other times I would hear people say that it doesn't end your pain, it gives it to someone else. <sighs> and I had not believed that until that actually happened. Um, I have found meaning in my life and- I wanna, I wanna, I wanna interrupt you for a second. I, I, I don't want to, but I will. Can we go back to that fact that you just mentioned? Are you saying that, just to clarify, that his suicide transferred to you or that you found that his suicide did not transfer to you? Or rather, his suicide pain did not transfer to you? What are you saying? Um, his, his suicide actually affected me greatly. It... Um, but it affected me, unlike what most people think, it affected me in a positive way because it made me see how many people care and how little I had control over who was gonna find me. And one fear that I have is of my little sister and my little brother of finding me. And a lot of the time when I'm suicidal, um, I w would not, I would miss that part, is that people care and I have no uh, control over who finds me and I have no control over who cares. Like I'm finding every day that people who I don't even know end up caring about me and they'd be like, I, I'd miss you if I, you were gone and say things like that. It, it really 
brings my spirits up to hear something like that because a lot of the time when I am suicidal, I would feel like nobody cares and I'm unlovable and all of that. And that is so powerful to also note because indeed people do care. Indeed, there are people out there who love you. And that's like you said, the feelings generally are temporary. They are overwhelming, they are powerful, but they are temporary nonetheless. And so that kind of goes to feel that, that to kind of strengthen that, that, in, that fact that it is temporary. And for the most part, if you do end up going ahead with the suicide itself, then that's permanent, right? Right. And um, it's been several years since Brian's suicide. And then I had been at school and I found from a friend of mine that another friend of mine had committed suicide by an overdose on opioids. And um, I felt... I felt really numb then. I I didn't know what to do, what to say. It hit me a few days after that she was gone and that I had plans to go see her sometime and just to think that that won't happen anymore really destroyed me. Um, Because I said that was this March, right? Was that this March? Not this year, last year. Oh. And I, I just, if there's anything I want people to take away from my story, is that people do care, and that you are loved, you are wanted. And if you don't believe that, I'll tell you this right now. I do care. I do love you. And you can't argue with that because that's my. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh. Yeah, you can't argue with that because that's my feelings and how I feel. And I do love you. I do care. And if you reach out to me on my page, which is Suicide Lost Survivor, I will help you any way I can. I will stay up all night if I have to, to make sure that you are at a safe place. You know what, that actually brings us to, I guess, now that you've gone there to the last bit of the, the last segment of the, of the show, which is usually, do you have any parting words, any words of encouragement, any favorite book, any favorite quote, which you've given us a lot of quotes. This too shall pass is one of my most favorite quotes, even for myself, no matter what I'm going through, I tell myself that, but usually this, this segment will tell us, you know, any favorite quotes, any favorite books, favorite podcasts, wink, wink, any, you know, words of encouragement, things like that. And then, of course, where can the people find you? So you've pretty much done it already, but let's just make it official. 
So uh, where people can find me, I actually have uh, two groups on Facebook, one for suicide loss survivors and one for those who are mentally ill. Uh, the one for mentally ill individuals is called Mental Health and Recovery Support. And the one for suicide loss survivors, and you have to be a suicide loss survivor to join that group. You can't be just um, mentally ill to join that group. But if you have mental illness as well as a suicide loss story, then you are welcome to join. Um, it's called Postvention of Suicide. P.S. I miss you. I saw that. I saw that because I think you added me to that yesterday. I saw that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So that's where you can find me. And as far as words of encouragement, as I said before, um, reach out when you are struggling. If you don't have anyone you feel you can reach out to, you can reach out to my page, Suicide Loss Survivors, and we we will speak with you. I have several other admins on the page who would be more than happy to help you as well. Um, a lot of the time I'm the one online and answering, but sometimes my admins will jump in and help you. And especially in my groups, my admins will help you. So if you want just anyone to talk to, you can go to my Facebook groups. And if you want specifically me to talk to, the best option is to either message me privately under Louisa B. Martin or to message my page, Suicide Loss Survivor. Thank you so much. That's just so powerful. A powerful hour indeed. Thank you so very much for coming on and sharing. And I am serious about you doing the Facebook Live. Remember I told you I said we could do this one, which is audio, and then we can do a Facebook Live. And I do those every Sunday. And sometimes I'm the one just talking, and then sometimes I'm having a guest. So if it's okay with you, I would talk offline about you know, coming um, on as a face uh, on my Facebook Live and doing a show pretty much like this one, but it's going to be live, so there'll be better interaction, and we can do it. We can also share it on your page live, as well as on my page live. You know, you can do you can share it on all your pages if you like as we go. So you can also do that. Would you be open to doing that? I would be more than honored to. Thank you so much. You have just made my day. I, I know you, you don't know that, but you have made my day. On many times during this talk, I felt like crying, but I was like, no, if she's not going to cry, then I'm not going to cry. I'm a big crybaby anyway, but that's okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Short notice, I can hear the passion and the love and the compassion in your, in your voice. And Thank you so much for being here, for staying on, for hanging in there, and knowing that even those days when 
things are hard, just, just kind of hang in there, you know, because you know, we need you, right? We need you. We love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you can't argue with that. <laughs> Thank you so much for laughing. I needed to hear that. So that's good. All right, well, um, we have come to the end of the show. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. This is a special episode. And now I wish I had done this on the Suicide Prevention Day, but you know what? Every single day is a day to prevent suicide. Every single day to me is a suicide prevention day. So I'm gonna post this as soon as I can. I have about 30 episodes waiting, but I'm gonna post this one as soon as I can and probably every month I'm going to post this one so thank you all so much for joining us this is Dr. Lulu this is Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu the podcast I'll see y'all later peace out